the A-grade team, and they were really good. And there was a guy there who was like a legend in the cricket club. His name was Barry Tobias. And I can still remember Barry. used to love watching him bat. He, he could just bat all day. Well, one day, me and my mate, the younger ones, we were scoring. Now, scoring, if you've ever scored in cricket, is quite complicated. Um, you've got to put numbers here and there and the batsmen and the extras and all that. And we got to a point, he was a bit, Barry was batting, he was about on the, around the 50s, and uh, we were one run out. And so we thought, oh, well, we'll just make a little adjustment. And the logical place to take the run off was one of Barry's singles. So we sort of rubbed out one of Barry's singles and everything was balanced then. Anyway, the sad thing was Barry went out that day for 99. And we were never forgiven. Barry kept reminding us that this, uh, this one run that we'd removed was really, really important. Now today, uh, as Troy said, we're beginning a new year with this series called Get Smart. And uh, you know about when you look at people in the world, some people just seem to have the smarts, don't they, when it comes to living and, and living well. And uh, others seem to live life like a, a constant struggle that everything is a drama and uh, a constant calamity from one to the other uh, and no respite from that. And others of us are perhaps just more normal and we're sort of fumbling through uh, somewhere in between. But we know, all know where we'd like to be. We'd all like to be smarter or, as the book of Proverbs would put it, we'd all like to be wiser. Uh, and as uh, Troy said, from this, for this month, we're looking at, to draw from the book of Proverbs for this series. Now, the book of Proverbs is a book in the Old Testament, and if you haven't come across it, it's a terrific book to read in a month because it's got 31 chapters, and it's full of wisdom. Wisdom. It's a really down-to-earth book, and it's probably the most practical book you could ever read in the Bible full of practical wisdom and actually this word wisdom comes up a lot and wisdom isn't just this abstract concept, it's actually personified, wisdom is personified as a woman, a woman who speaks uh, the wisdom of God, a woman who points the way to, to life, real life, meaningful life and so when the writer of Proverbs, as you read, when he summons you to search for wisdom, he's actually summons, summonsing you to hear wisdom uh, and actually hear God, to search for God and hear from him about how to get smart, if you like, uh, how to do life well. So I missed it by that much. I wonder if you've had experiences where you feel, hey, I've, I've missed it by that much and it's made a big difference. Imagine if Wes hadn't actually taken the initiative and uh, asked that man for a job. It, life, life might be quite different for him today. You know, back in the 60s, when uh, Matt Get Smart was on TV first up, um, there were all sorts of heroes on TV and most of the spies who you saw in films and on TV, they were, they were just incredibly suave and incredibly sophisticated and incredibly smart and everything just seemed to go their way. Think about James Bond, for example, just uh, able to escape danger, able to escape death with skill, ingenuity, all of those sort of things. They're almost superhuman in their abilities. And then along comes Maxwell Smart. And he always seemed to be supremely confident in his abilities. He was going to save mankind from chaos. And look, we're going to touch on this sluggard bit later, this laziness bit, but I don't think Max was lazy. In reality, he was just totally inept. Uh, And he was always missing by that much. And now that was funny on TV. As I said, it was one of my favourites. And in fiction, you can be inept and still somehow get away with it and win the day. But in life, when we're constantly missing it by that much, it's not real fun. You know, my kids used to love a book called Lazy Jack. And for the kids who are here today, I thought we could go through it quickly because I think you'll love it too. 
And this lazy Jack, he was inept as well. That's him there sitting on a chair. He was so inept that his mother said things to him that I hope no mother here takes note of today and says to their children because they're not nice things, okay? But this is it. This is a sad princess was sitting uh, at her castle window and she'd never laughed and she didn't know how to laugh. And her mum and dad hoped that one day somebody would make their daughter smile. Well, there was also a boy called Jack and Jack lived with his mother. And Jack was probably the laziest person in the whole wide world and he'd just sit around while his mother did all the work. Look at her doing the work. At last Jack's mother could stand no more of his laziness and she said to him, unless you get out and get a job, you'll get no more meals from me and you'll have to wash your own socks as well. Okay, said Jack. And so Jack went to work for a farmer and you can see the farmer paid him with a shiny coin. Well, on the way home, Jack had to jump over a stream and he dropped the coin into the water. And of course, when he got home, his mother was angry. You know what she said to him? She said, Jack, you twit. You should have put it in your jacket pocket. Okay, said Jack, that's what I'll do next time. Well, the next day, Jack went to work for a cowkeeper. And the cowkeeper paid him with a jug of milk for his wages. And so, remembering his mother's advice, he poured the milk into his pocket and he went home. Silly sausage head, shouted his mother. You should have carried the jug on your head. Okay, said Jack, I'll do so next time. So next Jack went to work at the dairy and for payment he was given a fine cheese, all for himself. Well, remembering his mother's advice, he put the cheese on his head and when he got home it had melted into a gooey mess. Gormless beetle brain, screeched his mother. You should have carried it in your arms. Oh, okay, said Jack, I'll do that next time. Well, Jack's next job was in a sausage factory. And if you ever wonder what went into sausages, you can see. At the sausage factory he was given a cat as payment. Remembering his mother's advice, he carried the cat home in his arms, but the cat was a nasty beast who hated being picked up. And when Jack got home, he was scratched to bits. Jelly-headed henbrain, yelled his mother. You should have pulled it behind you on a string. Okay, said Jack, I'll do so next time. Next day, he went to work in a bakery. Well, the bakers were pleased with Jack's work and they gave him a cake for his trouble. And remembering his mother's advice, Jack pulled it home behind him on a string. Nit-witted pinhead, shouted his mother. You should have carried it on your back. Oh, okay, said Jack. I'll do so next time. Well, the next time Jack went to work in a stable. And when the work was finished, the owner of the stable gave him a donkey as payment. And remembering his mother's advice, Jack heaved the donkey onto his shoulders. It was not easy. Not easy at all. And Jack staggered all the way towards home. And his way took him past the castle of the sad princess who could not smile. And she happened to be sitting at her window and she watched Jack stagger by with his donkey on his back and he looked so funny that the sad princess burst out laughing. The princess's mum and dad were so, so happy that they let Jack marry her. And the princess was happy. The princess was happy to have such a funny husband and Jack was happy because he never had to work again. (laughs) Now that story flies in the face of everything I want to say this morning. (laughs) But it does raise a really important point about Proverbs. And just, just the next slide says this. Proverbs simply tell how life works most of the time. Try to live by the exceptions, the exceptions being Maxwell Smart and Lazy Jack, and you court disaster. The rule is that godly, moral, hard-working and wise people will reap many rewards. So you learn from Lazy Jack, but you don't learn to be lazy. 
But the book of Proverbs refers often to this person called the sluggard. And I guess I remembered Lazy Jack because the word sluggard reminded me of all those words like gormless beetle brain. When my kids were little, we went to a, a Bible school in Sydney and there was a young American couple there who used to take our young Jonathan when he was two and read books to him. And they just loved Lazy Jack. We had this book and they just loved reading it to him because of all these terms. You nitwitted pinhead, you gormless beetle brain. Imagine somebody coming to you and calling you a sluggard. What a word, eh? You sluggard. It's how you feel after a big Christmas dinner on Christmas Day, isn't it? A bit sluggish. And we think of slugs, don't we? And slugs seem to be sluggardly. I don't know where the word comes from there. but And yet there's something amusing as we read the Proverbs about this idea of a sluggard, isn't there? Have you ever had the situation where somebody's been telling you a, uh, a story about someone else that seems quite funny and you sort of laugh along and then you realise, well, what they're saying about that other person, I actually do that myself. And uh, that's a bit telling, isn't it? So we laugh along and then maybe we stop laughing because we realise that there's a, a point to this story that's actually a bit close to home. You know, I reckon a lot of the Proverbs are like that. When we read them, we laugh at them. When we laugh at this idea of a sluggard, um, but we realise that in many of these uh, expressions, they say something about ourselves. It says about the slugger that he lies in his bed and he, he turns over and back like a hinge. But he doesn't get up. He goes back and forth. You can just picture that, can't you? It's a, it's a funny image, but we can sort of probably all uh, identify with that in some way. I just want to put a couple of, of uh, parts of the Proverbs up just for your, for your understanding of what a, a, the sort of problems a sluggard has. The first one, he has a problem with timing. In Proverbs 22, 13, it's seen, the, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside, I'll be killed in the public square. He's, he's finding any excuse he can for not getting out and doing his thing. Now, there may have been lions uh, in the time when uh, Solomon was writing this, but very, very unlikely that he was going to go outside and find a lion and be killed. But that was that sort of excuse that he made. I wonder if you've ever made an excuse for something that you didn't really want to do. And maybe it was a little bit far-fetched like that. Proverbs 6, the bit about the ant, says, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And then it goes on and it says, And poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. So the longer you do nothing about your own well-being, you're heading towards poverty. You're heading towards scarcity. It's not a good way to go. But we've probably all been... Uh, guilty of making ridiculous excuses at times to avoid doing something that we really should be facing. And we see something of the procrastinator, don't we, in the sluggard and in us. I think Wes and I must be very similar because I'm not good at uh, facing the hard issues in my life oftentimes. And I'll spend a lot of time procrastinating about that hard conversation I should have or that hard thing that I need to do that uh, I don't really want to do. Something that we could put off to tomorrow... Uh, seems like a good idea sometimes, doesn't it? And yet we don't make progress when we do that. The other thing about the, the sluggard is he's not good on the follow-through. These are classic verses. The lazy man doesn't roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. Imagine going out and hunting and catching something but just being too lazy to cook it. Matt came home last night with a beautiful schnapper, but he's not a lazy man because he cooked it up for us and we had snapper for tea. It was great. But the lazy man doesn't do that. He doesn't roast what he took in hunting. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. 
Classic, isn't it? You can picture that, can't you? Can't get it up. Sluggards do not plough in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. This idea of actually planning so that you actually find something and uh, reap something at the end. If we don't do the things that we need to do at the right time and follow through on them, we're going to be in trouble. Okay, the next one is uh, needing constant supervision. This is the one about the ant. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, and yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Here's an ant, an example to us. Little ants, and yet it should be an example to us. And you've seen ants doing their thing, carrying things that seem to be way bigger than their own body weight, um, but they're going about their business and they seem to know what they're doing and they're diligent about it. And they don't seem to have anybody telling them what to do. And I wonder for us it's a challenge, isn't it? We often seem to work our very best when somebody's uh, pushing us along. Some of us need that prod to actually get something out of us. I wonder what it's like for you. Are you you self-motivated or is it actually somebody needing to prod you to get some work out of you? Work hard and become a leader or be lazy and become a slave is Proverbs 12, 24. And then the final uh, one about, um, or the second last one is is, uh, about being neglectful of maintenance. And if you own a house, you can identify with this. If a man's lazy, the rafters sag. If his hands are idle, the house leaks. I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense, and I saw that it was overgrown with nettles, it was covered with weeds, and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Something's going to come at you that you're not expecting uh, when you don't take heed of the things that need maintenance in your life, when you neglect things. So they're really, really powerful statements. And the last one that's probably um, quite telling also is that sluggards can be very irritating to other people. If you have a sluggard working for you, it's not a happy thing, isn't it? As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send him. And so that little overview of uh, some of the verses in the book of Proverbs about sluggards, if you tend to be a couch potato, um, those words are for you. They're for me at a, at a very practical level. Um, but I think most of us, are sitting here this morning and saying, I don't need someone to come and tell me to work harder. Uh, I work hard enough. Who'd be in that category say, I don't need someone to tell me to work harder. My boss gets enough out of me already. Um, so I want us to, to think about this from another point of view this morning. I want us to reflect in the short time that we've got left on, on just two important questions. And I, if, if you could take these questions with you today and reflect on them in this week and even maybe over the, over the whole year, I reckon they'd be life-changing things. And the first question is this question, who am I working for? You see, you might say, oh, I work for Toyota. I used to say, I work for Nissan. You might say, oh, I work for NCR. Uh, I work for Picture Partners or PricewaterhouseCoopers or Fleet Partners or whatever. Say, okay, yeah, that, that might be who you work for. But in Colossians in the New Testament, there's these words. It says, do your work willingly as though you were serving the Lord himself and not just your earthly master. In fact, the Lord Christ is the one you're really serving and you know that he'll reward you. So I wonder as you enter into 2014 and think about all the things that are on your plate, 
I wonder if you might just care to ask yourself, can, can I honestly say that as I face each day and as I face, face each task in the job that I'm a, a part of, that I do for my boss here on this earth, can I say that I'm actually thinking about pleasing a far greater master whose approval is of far, far more consequence than the approval of my immediate boss? So what does that look like? It probably looks like asking yourself, am I displaying exemplary character in my workplace? Am I setting a standard for ethics and honesty in my workplace? Am I prompt? Am I conscientious? Am I pointing people towards Jesus when I get the opportunity? Can they see Jesus in me by the way I do my work, by the way I genuinely care for them? Who am I working for? Who am I working for? Maybe you've been in your job for quite a while. And you know, it's easy for us as we've been working for one employer for a long time to get to know the ropes and to know what we can get away with and our standards can slip, can't they? And maybe today's the day to resolve to get back to doing your work willingly as though Jesus himself was your boss and you wanted wanted him to be pleased with you. We'd all love love our work to be uh, totally meaningful and totally fulfilling all of the time. But the truth about life for most people is that there are times when our work is just that, brilliant and fulfilling and great. But there's times when it's just a, a hard slog. And part of, of uh, understanding who you're working for is realising that even in those times when it's a hard slog, you're not going to be a quitter. The, the beautiful wisdom of Proverbs is clearly that diligent workers will be rewarded by their employers and by God. That is the way life works. You might say, oh, it's not, oh, I work really hard. No, it hasn't. In general, that is the way life works. When you, when you put in a diligent day's work, you'll be rewarded for it. But more than that, God will be pleased with you. I remember this song that I, I used to love and it talked about uh, being content to serve an audience of one. It's only his approval counts when all is said and done. So as you think about this year, ask yourself the question, who am I working for in everything am I, I do? Am I thinking that actually beyond my immediate boss there's a higher authority and I want to be doing my very, very best to please him? And then finally, a second question is this question. Will my life count for anything? You see, all of us want our lives to actually be meaningful, don't we? I love what Wes said about wanting to make a difference in the world. I think most of us, if somebody came to us and asked us, you know, what do you want your life to count for? We'd want it to count for something that actually went on beyond uh, our, our years here on earth, we'd actually want to be even remembered for something that was significant that we'd done, for the impact that we'd had on people's lives. Jesus told a story in the book of Luke that was a telling one. It went something like this. There was a man and he was a very, very rich man and he had a beautiful lot of land and it produced plentiful harvest. And uh, he, had, he had a problem he, because he had so much bounty that he doesn't know what to do with it. And so he says to himself, what do I do? I've got all this produce and I haven't got enough space to fill it. And he says, I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and I'll big, build bigger ones and uh, bigger ones and I'll store all my produce down and I'll have goods laid up for many days and I'll be secure. And so I'll be able to say, take it easy, eat, drink, be merry. And then Jesus says, in the, in the context of this story, God says to this man, you fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you've prepared, 
Whose will they be? And then he says this, so is the person who lays up treasure for himself but is not rich towards God. You see, we probably describe this man in the story that Jesus tells as a successful workaholic. He's diligent, no sluggard, um, but God says that this man has missed it by that much or that much. You see, he's working hard, but it was all for himself and there was no place for God in it. He wasn't rich towards God. He was a self-made man. He's worshipping his maker, if you like, a self-made man. It's possible, you know, to give ourselves generously and diligently to all kinds of things without being rich towards God. You know, what God desires most of all from you and from me is that we relate to him. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with me. And as you look at your life this morning, as you ask yourself this question, will my life count for anything? I wonder, have you been giving almost all of your energy to other things, maybe to building barns, bigger ones, with precious little time remaining for being rich towards God, time to build a relationship with him. I'd love you to consider today what it might mean for you to start building that relationship this year, start making it a priority rather than an add-on. Maybe you need to take a step today. We have these white cards on the seats and they're a great uh, way to communicate with us and there's letterboxes that you can put them in. There's one at the back corner there. But it might be time for you to write on your card something today um, or maybe talk to somebody about something that you could do practically to begin to make your life count for something. You might feel that, hey, you've been slack when it comes to reading the Bible and you'd love to be more disciplined in spending time with God and reading and reflecting on the Bible and praying. You might want to write that down. Keep the card for yourself if you want to just remind yourself or put it in the box and let people talk to you about it. Maybe you need someone who's a mature follower of Jesus to actually walk with you as you seek to live the way that Jesus would want you to live. Maybe you need someone to keep you accountable. Write it down and do something about it. Maybe you're sitting here today and you wouldn't actually call yourself a follower of Jesus but you'd really want to, you really want your life to count for something and you'd like to find out what that might look like for you. Well, write that down. We'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe in the past 12 months you'd have to say you've been a bit spasmodic about actually meeting together with uh, all of us here at New Community. But you'd like it to be different. You'd like to be consistent about that. Maybe you're not part of a home group and you really feel that would be something that would be helpful for you. Uh, but you need to take that first step. Hey, do something about that. You know, I know that the sluggard in me causes me to ease up, to take the easy path, to, to assure myself that, well, I can always start that another day. But if we take that attitude moment by moment and day by day and, and tiny piece by tiny piece, this battle to be rich towards God uh, is lost. And so I encourage you, decide today, seek after wisdom, seek after God, don't get to look back on 2014 and have to say, well, I just kept missing it by that much. Thanks, guys. As Steve was talking, I was just thinking...